The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host, John, Hello there, Nookie, and welcome we to the show. Here. Today, Authors there, Week continues with a repeat guest, and a fantastic new book. If you missed part one of Authors Week, check out Tuesday's show with Jewel, the author of The Making of a Woman, with an engrossing story of rising from the ashes to become her own authentic self. And now, it's a wonderful human who has graced our presence before. And this time, she brings with her a new book that can help bring out the kinky in all of us. Kate Sloan is a journalist, author, blogger, podcaster, and educator with nearly a decade of writing under her belt, so to speak. Her words on sex, kink, and relationships have appeared in publications such as Cosmopolitan, Glamour, Teen Vogue, Playboy, and The Insider. She is the co-host of the acclaimed podcast, The Dildorks, and Question Box. And her award-winning sex blog, girlyjuice.net, is a go-to resource for many. 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do is her first book. And she already has number two in the works with 200 words to help you talk about gender and sexuality. That one is scheduled to come out next April. So get ready for 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do as shared by the wonderful Kate Sloan on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. And as always, we start with the first five. Five questions about firsts for the author of 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, Kate Sloan, it is so good to see you again. Thank you. It's good to see you again, too. First time you ever did number six in the book. Oh, this is good. I like this. Okay, number six is shaving. And it was actually with a mutual friend of ours. I mean, if we're talking kinky shaving rather than, you know, regular everyday life shaving, that's boring. I don't really think we need to go into that. But Kinky shaving, um, our mutual friend Dick Wound uh, was briefly a partner of mine. And um, I had a date planned with uh, another partner of mine who later would become my spouse, Matt. 
And I was staying at Dick's the night before because we were spending some time together. And Dick offered to shave my legs for this date. Um, and I was like, ooh, that sounds kinky and fascinating. Yes. And, and we had a negotiation about it. And like, he didn't want it to be like cuckoldy, um, which I also was like not really thinking of it that way. Like I wasn't going to be like, oh, yeah, you like that shaving me for like some other person to enjoy later. Um, I was just more into kind of like the intimacy and like the closeness and the trust of letting someone shave you. And he did a really good job. He did a way better job than I do. And I'm just like trying to get through it in the shower in two minutes. <laughs> First time you ever did number 21. Number 21 is service. Oh, I need to think about this one for a second. Mm. I do think I have a memory. This is actually kind of a sad memory in my mind, but um, I was dating sort of the person who was like my first 24 seven dominant. And he was working at like a coffee shop where he worked out at the time. And I was going to go visit him at work. And I asked if he needed anything or wanted anything. And he asked me to bring him a burrito with like very specific um things in it so I had to like go to the store and like order this very specific burrito and he was just like not really that appreciative when I showed up with it I mean he was at work so maybe he was stressed but he I just felt like I had like I'm very socially anxious I'd take the time to engage with this burrito artist about this creation and he was just like not appreciative enough which was like a recurring theme in that relationship um, so my, my relationships since have been, uh, people have been much more grateful for the service that I provided for them. First time you ever did number 56. Oh, number 56 is lingerie. Ooh. Um, gotta think about this one also. Uh, I think the first time that I did like a kink scene that really involved lingerie specifically was um like a financial domination scene um with my partner matt where um they wanted to buy me presents in kind of like a sh- sugar daddy um veruca salts dad spoiling the little girl kind of way um so we went to uh agent provocateur which is like this super fancy gorgeous lingerie store And I was the only one interacting with the sales staff. And Matt was just like being silent and like holding my bag and my coat (laughs) as I just like walked around looking at lingerie. And uh, then I tried on some stuff and I was like texting them photos from the changing room. And then they bought me like this really beautiful set of lingerie. Um, Definitely the fanciest lingerie I've ever owned in my life. Um, And yeah, it was great. I got to feel very spoiled. It was very fun. Because I'm a teenage boy, and because I know you thought of this before (laughs) placing it, Mm -hmm. first time you ever did number 69. (laughs) So funny story. I did not actually do the order for this book. Um, It was originally alphabetical, Mm -hmm. but they told me that because the book is going to be translated into a few different languages, it made more sense to not do it alphabetically because the layout had to work with the illustrations and everything. Um, But number 69 is hair pulling. And um, that's fairly recent for me uh, to enjoy that one. Cause I feel like like people 
do it when they think that you want to be like dominated, but a lot of people don't have the proper technique. Um, or the proper amount of hair. It's kind of <laughs> hard to pull mine. <laughs> I mean, if you've got any, I feel like you could still manage it. Um, but yeah, I've had people kind of like grab it at the ends and pull it that way. And, uh, just, you know, one-on-one on, um, hair pulling, you should, you should generally do it at the root, uh, less damage to the hair and tends to feel better for most folks. And the final of the first five, first time you ever did number 101. Ooh, <laughs> number 101 is fingering. <laughs> appropriate for the end yes um yeah it is sort of silly that it ends on that but i do like it in a way because like a lot of people think of fingering as like something you only do in high school or whatever and like it can be elevated <laughs> it could be an art form if you wanted to be um the first time that i ever was fingered was in high school um would have been uh, a girlfriend of mine when i was 16 um yeah just a lot of uh figuring out our bodies together that was a that was a fun time <laughs> we'll find out more of the 101 kinky things even you can do when kate and i come back in just a minute hi i'm venus i've been sharing my love for this beautiful relationship dynamic for well, years now, and I am beyond thrilled to announce that finally there's a matchmaking service for single women and single men who want a loving, cuckolding relationship. It's called Venus Connections. It's a personalized matchmaking service and three-week educational program that's safe, private, and individualized for what you want. Women, you no longer need to endure the headache of filtering through blank profiles and dealing with online creeps. And men, you can stop wasting time on those fake profiles and women with all sorts of ulterior motives. Venus Connections works for you to find what you want. You can learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. You deserve the relationship of your dreams. Hello, I'm Jessie Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, 
presented by Dating Kinky, joined by Kate Sloan, the author of the brand new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do. Where did the idea come from? Um, so I was contacted about two and a half years ago by uh, the commissioning editor at a press in the UK. And it's this press called Lawrence King that does these really beautiful, like designy, gorgeously illustrated books. And she said, we've never done a sex book before. We want to do a sex book. Do you want to do one for us? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's talk. And my original notion was 101 unusual kinks and fetishes because I find those really interesting to talk about. And I thought the average person surely wants to know more about, you know, sneezing fetish or cake sitting or whatever it is. And uh, she liked the idea, but she took it to a meeting and they said, uh, could you do something like a little bit more relatable, a little bit more marketable for the average person? And I was like, woof, I don't know. Can I do 101 kinky things that like the average person could and would try? Um, and I think I did a pretty good job. Like some of them are kind of off the wall. Some of them are a bit out there for like a beginner beginner. So like erotic hypnosis, urethral sounding, that kind of thing. Um, but they're all things that like, I feel like a beginner could wrap their heads around to some extent and and it might pique their curiosity and I didn't want to just limit this book to the very most well-known kinks um like bondage and sadomasochism and stuff because there's so much more out there and it is really true that everyone has a little kink in them I think so yeah even if they haven't found it yet I think so so where is the starting point for most people have you found um, I think that most people start with either some version of dominance and submission, whether it be in the form of role play or just sort of like one partner bossing the other around in the bedroom or something sadomasochistic. Um, like I know a lot of people who got into kink originally through stuff like spanking, and that was definitely a gateway kink for me, although it remains one of my main kinks, I would say. Um, but yeah, those two seem to be kind of the easiest starting point for a lot of folks. And then also they're both really big categories that contain a lot of different things in themselves. So, you know, if you like pain and you find that out, there's so much more to explore there. What is one of the hundred and one that would have shocked a teenage Kate? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I got to take a look. Um, Oh, yeah, I know what it's going to be. Um, <laughs> there's, there's some stuff in here about objectification and specifically there's an entry about dollification, which is like, um, I mean, you can do it a lot of different ways, but the way I wrote about it is basically like one partner is pretending to be a doll, whether it's a sex doll or like kind of a more childlike type of doll. And then they get used or enjoyed in some way by someone else. And I think this would have bothered teenage me a lot because um, at that time I was very worried about having sex with men, which is something that I hadn't done. I was I was very worried that um, the media messages I'd received about men and 
male sexuality were true about stuff like they only want one thing and they'll like use you for sex and stuff like that um which of course is you know very limiting as all stereotypes are uh but i think at the time i was like very especially sensitive to the idea of being used um which is wild because it's hot to me now uh but like i didn't even like um having sex in like a doggy style position because i felt like i was being slightly dehumanized in that position which again is like one of the reasons that position's hot to me now but you know we all have our journeys <laughs> i keep on bringing up the word normal in this mm-hmm. podcast and it is no doubt one of the worst words out there <laughs> Because normal is different for everyone. Yes, I agree. Do you think the definition of what we might have thought of as teens and the definition now has been so blown out of the water that it's hard to even recognize anymore? I think... To some extent, yes. Um, Things like Fifty Shades of Grey have opened up a lot of conversations to the point that some element of kink, I think, is more common even in sort of casual sex or or people's like vanilla or sex that they think is vanilla. Um, But at the same time, I do still see as a sex educator that people are very worried about what is normal. Um, I see people talking about it with regards to penis size or how long you last before orgasm or, you know, body type or tightness, anything like this. Um, And I understand why they feel that way. I think it's a very human impulse. But like what I try to tell people and, and show people in my work is that you know, sex isn't supposed to be normal. Like I, in an ideal world, your sex life wouldn't be normal because it would be what you want and you're a unique human being and you're not just the average human being. Like you wouldn't want to be anyway. That sounds pretty boring. (laughs) What would be the thing that current Kate would teach her younger self if you knew now what you could have known back then? Oh, I mean, that's a really big question about kink or about sex or about life. Both. Okay. Um, I think that younger me was very concerned that I, I wasn't allowed to identify as kinky if I was into sort of like, quote unquote, basic kinks like spanking or DS or bondage. Um Like, I felt like I was like a poser and that like once I got into the world of quote unquote real kinksters that they would all be like, you're not kinky enough. Get out of here. Um, And that's what kept me from identifying as kinky for like a pretty long time. So I would go back and tell her like those kinks are super valid. And also like they're not necessarily mild. All of those things can be very extreme if you take them there. Um, And. I was so scared of being judged by older kinksters. And all that I've found is like older kinksters are so often really encouraging and and comforting to me in terms of being like, oh yeah, I've been there. I felt that feeling that like kinkster imposter syndrome or whatever. And like, just be you and do what you want to do. And and you're kinky enough as you are. I thought you were going to talk about what I would call kink snobbery. (laughs) which is, of course, I'm into more than you are. (laughs) But the fact is, we all felt alone at one time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a scary thing. Yeah, it's it's really weird that like I didn't realize or acknowledge to myself that I was kinky until I'd already been doing sex education work for a few years, um, which goes to show that sometimes this stuff is so deeply buried or, or you'll judge yourself or hold yourself to higher standards than you hold other people to, even if you're in this world and like very much aware of this information. So, you know, if I did it, I know that tons of other people out there are doing it too, judging themselves for their desires or feeling like they're not kinky enough. And like, if you say you're kinky, you're kinky. That's basically how I feel about it. Was there ever a time where you were so scared that you thought this is the wrong thing? Hmm. Because I know I went through binges and purges in my life. (laughs) When it comes to, oh, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of magazines and it's really going to make me feel great. And now I don't feel so great. Time to throw (laughs) them away. Oh, why did I throw all those away? (laughs) Yeah, I think I've been through like a couple of times like that. Um, When I first realized I was kinky, I, I, I was in a relationship at the time that was very vanilla and very monogamous. And I didn't know how to communicate these new things that I was learning about myself without making it sound like you're not enough for me you're not good enough for me um I guess that's not really what it was it was just like we had different desires it's not that mine were more or better in any way um and then the other time that I really felt that way was when I realized that I was into like daddy dom little girl role play and wanted to try it and I was just very intensely judging myself for that um just saying all the things to myself in my own head that people say out in the world to people with that kink like you're just doing this because you have daddy issues and you're traumatized which is like true but also like I'm allowed to have kinks even if those things are true um and I was just being really mean to myself about it uh and I didn't need to be because like when I brought it to a partner he was immediately like yeah do it call me daddy I'm into it and like it was me who had the problem with it I had to really tiptoe into it and start by whispering it very quietly and just just get there at my own pace since the last time we talked you have had a major change in your life you found someone who loves you and loves the things that you love as much as you love them. (laughs) How amazing a feeling is that? It is. It is amazing. I I think I was with Matt the last time that I spoke to you, but we were not married yet. Correct. Um, Yeah, it is honestly really mind blowing. Um, and, And that's another lesson that I wish I could give to my younger self is I was so convinced that what I wanted in a partner was unreasonable. And it it wasn't, it was just kind of basic things like, I want them to be smart and funny and have their politics be aligned with mine and for them to be dominant and kinky and make me laugh and um, you know, like the sex things that I like. And that's all pretty basic stuff, like very reasonable stuff to expect, but I was being told left and right by the world that like I was too picky or something uh because I would date people and then it would end and I would be like I don't know it just wasn't quite right and when I met Matt it was just so right like not that we haven't had you know issues and conflicts occasionally but it just felt so easy from the beginning and so full of promise and 
Uh, I've never felt like that before. I felt like I was in a romance novel. I still do sometimes. I've, I'm very, very blessed uh, to have found such a wonderful partner for me. And you have done what the rest of us dream we could do. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's since the last time we talked, I had a divorce finalized. Mm. Been a long time coming. But now I could not imagine having a partner that didn't think about kink. Mm -hmm. After 20 plus years of being shamed for it. Yeah. I'm really sorry that that happened to you. Can you explain the feeling of never having to worry about being accepted? Um, I don't know if I can explain that feeling. Um, it is just really, really wonderful. Um, I, I'm in therapy for the sort of childhood trauma stuff that I mentioned earlier. And, um, part of that work is learning to feel safe. Um, because as a kid, I was often not feeling very safe, um, feeling like I could be punished or, reprimanded really harshly at any time for anything or even for nothing. Um, and so a lot of the healing aspect of my current relationship has been Matt showing me and telling me that I'm safe and that I'm not in trouble and I'm not going to be punished. Um, and that's been huge both um, in our kink lives together and just in my life in general. Um, to have that feeling of knowing that I'm safe, like knowing even if I say something that my partner doesn't, you know, doesn't want to do, like if I brought up a kink and they were like, no, I don't really think that's my thing. I know that they would say that in a really kind way. And I know that they would seriously think about it and they wouldn't say no unless it was really, really a no. They're not going to discount it out of hand. Um, Matt has a hypnosis fetish and has had bad past experiences with partners freaking out about that so they are just super super sensitive about that and I've never felt judged for bringing up a fantasy with them and I just I wish that all kinksters could feel that feeling because it's it's really amazing and, and it's transformed my life honestly physically can't do that or whatever and I think it's really important to like make that clear when you have to give a partner a no because otherwise they are going to kind of spiral potentially into that self-loathing and shame and it's it's really not nice it's all about communication and education. Mm -hmm. And when we return on what women and other wonderful humans want, we'll talk a little bit about education and how this wonderful book fits in that with Kate Sloan when we return. Good segue. I try. It's I've almost doing... like you like are a professional broadcaster. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, joined by podcaster, educator, just amazing human, <laughs> and the author of 101 Kiki Things Even You Can Do, it's Kate Sloan. Hello. You, you have been an educator for many years now. Mm -hmm. What is the top thing that people need to be educated on when it comes to understanding those of us who appreciate kink? Hmm. 
It's really hard. I feel like Fifty Shades of Grey has very much muddied the waters on this issue. Like, in many ways, the kink community actually owes a lot to Fifty Shades, I feel, because a lot of people discovered kink through it who otherwise wouldn't. And in my view, I'm not like an elitist kinkster about that. I'm like, cool, good, welcome. Welcome to the club. Um, but at the same time, it's also been very, very damaging because that story depicts an abusive relationship. It it depicts a, a kinky abusive relationship, which certainly those do exist, but uh, those two things are separate and different and uh, not all kinky relationships are abusive. Um, so I think some of the greatest misconceptions that I hear about kink are about that it's an abuse of power um, or that a submissive partner or like a bottoming partner doesn't really want what's being done to them, which makes sense because in Fifty Shades, if you watch any of those movies, like Anna almost like very rarely does she seem vocally enthusiastic about what is being done to her. Um, and oftentimes she seems actively reticent about it which is a yikes for me um but yeah I have to spend an alarming amount of time explaining to people that I am a woman I'm a feminist woman and I choose to be submissive and it's not because of patriarchy or if it is like that doesn't really matter because this is the sexuality that I have and like you know if patriarchy rewired my brain such that this is my sexuality it's still my sexuality and I still can't really do anything about it so in my view, I should just enjoy it as it is. And um, I think it's really weird to pretend to be a feminist while telling a woman, you can't do that thing that you really, really want to do. Because it's like, mm, feminism is about women having choice. Like, that's a huge part of what it's always been about. And um, kink is an area where I often have, uh, <laughs> have to explain that to people, even now. In your education and educating of others, I would think that the word choice actually has quite a bit of a heavy burden in that you make choices of what you'd like to do, but mm -hmm. many of us do not have a choice in what we need to do or we, what we want to do or how we feel or what orientation we are, or what gender we identify with. Mm -hmm. It's not a choice. Right. I tell the story of the fact that I watched Batman when I was three years old. I saw Catwoman and Batgirl and saw Batman and Robin get tied up and something imprinted in my brain and I was done before I even grew up into puberty. <laughs> I'm not blaming it. <laughs> but it was in my brain to the point where I knew what that was before I knew the sexual result that I would have from it, which mm -hmm. was having orgasms before I even knew what it was mm -hmm. from the trigger of seeing or feeling something like that. Mm -hmm. Now we are in a world where people are starting to understand that things aren't a choice. Mm -hmm. but there's still that little bit of society that doesn't quite get it. Mm -hmm. Do you have a secret sauce, as it were, to help <laughs> people understand that choice does not go into things? Some things are just in your heart 
and in your mind already? It's a really good question. Um, I believe that kink is a choice for some people and an orientation for some other people. Um, just based on talking to kinksters like yourself, um, a lot of people feel very strongly one way or the other. Um, and the closest thing that that I like to use to explain it is about queer folks. Um, I'm bisexual myself. I've spent a lot of time looking at the science on queerness. And what we know is that trying to forcibly change your sexual orientation just doesn't work. It flat out does not work. People have tried it in countless different ways for however many years. Um, it doesn't work. One of my favorite stories to illustrate this is the fact that um, two leaders of a prominent ex-gay organization actually left the organization to get married to one another, these two men. Um, and if that doesn't prove the point, I don't know what, what does, because surely those two guys were more invested than almost anyone else in the idea of divesting themselves of their gayness. And they couldn't surmount it because sexual orientation is not surmountable like that. Um, nor should we be trying to change people's orientation. Um, and I've had some luck explaining to people the way that kink can be an orientation by comparing it to that. I think some people still struggle to see those things as equivalent. Um, I think that in many cases they are, um, having looked at a lot of the psychological science on it. And uh, like the spanking fetishist, Jillian Keenan describes her orientation towards spanking as innate, unchanging and lifelong. And to me, that, that says it all. And when you mentioned orientation, you are the second person within the period of seven days <laughs> that has mentioned kink as an orientation. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I had never heard it. <laughs> so in looking at this, is kink or BDSM as valid an orientation as bisexuality or queerness? Or is it something that, it's not something that at least I had a choice of, mm -hmm. but is it innate in some people that this is what they need to get by? to survive, to enjoy, mm -hmm. to love? I believe that it is. Um, it's a very, very complicated question for a whole lot of reasons. There are queer rights activists who have argued that for kinksters to align themselves with being an orientation like that is trivializing in some way of the, of the struggles of queer folks throughout history. Um, I think a lot of times when people complain about it from that angle, they're saying you have not been discriminated against as much as some people of, of specific orientations have, which, I mean, one could make a case that kinky people are, are discriminated against. Um, and there's, there's many examples out there in terms of like people losing custody battles because it was discovered that they were kinky or losing jobs or losing friendships. Um, I definitely am not going to argue it doesn't happen. Uh, it does happen. I, I just am not in a position to be able to say like how that compares to the, you know, 
what queer and trans people experience. I, I don't have the data, but um, I do think it is an orientation for many people. I've looked at a lot of science on it and just heard from a lot of people like I've tried to change this. It's not happening. Like I've I've given it a significant real effort over a sustained amount of time to try to change it and it, it doesn't work. And that to me seems to be how most people's orientations work. Um, and I know very, very few people who feel like they've chosen their sexuality. Um, most of the people I know who feel that way are bisexuals who like chose to only date one particular gender because they found that they just like got along better with that gender or whatever. So like in that case, you, you didn't really choose your sexuality you just shows like a specific, you know, manifestation of it within the sexuality that you already have. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it can be an orientation. Uh, I definitely think that it's more unchangeable than a lot of people are willing to admit. Uh, and I, I wish the kinksters didn't feel so, you know, persecuted and stereotyped and, and discriminated against. It's, it's, it's not nice. You mentioned that your partner, Matt, is non-binary. Mm -hmm. That is a term that I would have never imagined in my youth. <laughs> I could have never imagined it in most of my adulthood. Mm -hmm. But it is an everyday part of language now. Mm -hmm. How did we get here? Um... So there have always been some version of, of non-binariness um, in many, many cultures throughout history, um, including many cultures that were colonized by England and, and you know, various colonizing forces through the, through the ages. So in many cases, these understandings of gender beyond male and female were sort of squashed by colonialism and, you know, that's racist as hell and not cool. Um, but I bring that up mostly to illustrate that there is a perception, I think, in Western society that non-binariness is new, and it just isn't. Um, I do think that the term itself is fairly new. Um, I was volunteering as a teen at a website called genderfork.com, and it was sort of like on the forefront of, uh, it was a blog about like gender non-conforming people. And um, at the time, the, the term that was in vogue from my perspective was genderqueer. And there were a lot of people who thought that genderqueer was kind of going to be the go-to term for this, you know, identity of, of being neither male nor female. Um, and non-binary is kind of the one that caught on for whatever reason, in the same way that they, them pronouns have caught on in a way that some like third gender neo pronouns have not like Z here and stuff like that um and uh i would actually love to read a book if somebody wanted to write a book about uh, or if somebody has written a book about like how that happened because i don't i don't know too much about that but um i am really glad to see that those identities are you know gaining more um public awareness these days i've been watching um the show sex education on netflix and there was two non-binary characters on it this season and i was so happy it's just like wow like usually you're lucky if you get even one and, and they gave us two. Um, and I just get really happy and emotional seeing more non-binary representation, uh, out there. And yeah, 
I'm glad that more people are aware of it now. It was even brought up in Star Trek. Oh, cool. The first non-binary character in any network or popular series was actually in Star Trek. That's so cool. And also makes a lot of sense because, so I'm not a Trekkie, but I, I love many people who are. And um, the sense I get is that Star Trek was surprisingly progressive for for its time in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, uh, racial representation to some extent and, and non-binary folks. And um, yeah, that's awesome. We're going to take our last break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the wonderful book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, when we return. Hi, this is Rachel Leadham, aka The Conscious Masochist. I'm an author and sadomasochism integration mentor who encourages the mindful exploration of your dark side. I offer astrological birth chart readings to interpret your sadomasochistic blueprint through the clues found within your chart. You can learn more about my work, including the ebook Conscious Masochism, at my website, www.rachelleadham.com. And join us on Instagram at The Conscious Masochist. And be sure to check out my episode in the archives of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. It's time to get back to learning about the most important connection of all, the one we have with our authentic self on what women and other wonderful humans want, presented by Dating Kinky. One hundred one kinky things even you can do is the name of the book. Kate Sloan is the author. This has been quite the journey that started with you as a writer many, many moons ago. Have you ever imagined that your evolution as a writer would bring you to such amazing things as having a published book and being published in some really cool publications? Um, I, I actually always kind of thought I would focus more on short form writing. Uh, like I went to school for journalism I have really enjoyed blogging all these years and writing columns and articles. And my interests, kink-wise, are pretty niche, um, or at least I thought that they were before I <laughs> wrote this book. Um, so it was a surprise that I 
was offered the book and also that it ended up being an introductory kink book, which is not something I'd ever thought about writing before. Um, I had often thought I might write some kind of like kink related memoir or, you know, something a bit more personal or artsy or something. Um, but this was such a great opportunity to come up because I actually have often had the problem of people reaching out to me and saying, I'm curious about kink, but I don't have any idea where to start. And it's like, I don't even know what to say to those people, you know, because some of those people are, you know, the Fifty Shades Cosmo kinky crew who are like, I think I'm curious about bondage or spanking or DS or role play or costumes. But then some of those people are people who like have a very specific fetish that they maybe are not ready or able to, you know, communicate about. So I was really honored and delighted to be able to create this book that's like uh, hopefully going to serve all of those folks um, and also serve as a starting point for conversations, because that's the other question I get a lot of is like, I know I'm kinky. How do I talk to my partner about it? And there's a little bit of info in that in the book about that. Um, and I just really hope that it'll be helpful for people because I, I wish that I'd had a book like this when I was first figuring out that I was kinky because the information out there either is like too simplistic and assuming that you're only going to do a limited set of things or it's like so overwhelming and complicated and there's just like an infinite variety of stuff that it can be hard to know where to start so my hope is that people will be able to pick, pick up this book and go okay I'm interested in like these 12 things let's talk about them let's try them and then you know, see what happens. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, <laughs> but 101 kinky things even you can do seems like the natural segue to 101 more kinky things that even you can do, which segues into 101 kinky things you won't believe you can do, but you can. <laughs> which might be the original idea for that book that you had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you thought about where this could go? I have. Um, the publisher was chatting with me at one point about making the book into like a card game, a uh, sexy kinky card game, just sort of like, you know, for partners to play together or even for small groups to play together to kind of prompt conversations and get them to try things. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I, you're not the first person to suggest to me that like there could be a sequel that's like another 101. And I, I don't know that I could think of another 101 things that just a regular average person would want to try. I mean, obviously there's infinite kinks out there and I would gladly write about as many of them as anybody will let me. Um, but I think that these 101 are like probably the ones that are not going to scare the newbies <laughs> off. Um, so I think it's a, a good collection for them. You have been such the student of kink and <laughs> you have shown me all sorts of new ways to think about it. I mean, I look back at your appearance on the show, which, gosh, I think it was episode three oh, wow. and of the show. And now we've done over 75 episodes now. 
Wow. Which awesome. still blows my mind. <laughs> and you are technically the first repeat because although Lee Harrington got the first repeat invitation, you are the, you, you beat them to it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You cross the finish line first. <laughs> What is next in the evolution of education when it comes to kink? Is uh, there a next level that people are not thinking about now, but you're already thinking about? I have, I have two thoughts. They're pretty different. One of them is that I often wonder about whether kink has a place in like public school sex education or, you know, high school and middle school sex education at all. Um, and the reason that I think that it does is that I hear from so many people who knew they were kinky or at least knew that they had an unusual sexual interest from a very young age and felt broken and weird and you know, went through all this time of judging themselves and feeling judged. Um, and I think it would go a long way to even have it briefly acknowledged in sex ed class. Uh, I think a lot of people are scared to implement that because they think, well, if we tell the kids that they can hit each other for pleasure, then they're going to be hitting each other. And I'm like, well, I mean, maybe. Um, but so like, I, I understand that concern. Uh, because yeah, kids, you know, are not always the smartest and stuff may be misconstrued. And, you know, I, I certainly wasn't smart or conscientious enough as a teen to do some of these like more advanced or more dangerous kinky activities, but I do wish that it was acknowledged, uh, just so that like the kinky kid in the back of the room wouldn't feel so alone and so broken just so that they could hear from, you know, an authority figure that like, this exists, this is real, this is valid. The community is out there so that they knew that they had that to look forward to. Um, and then my other thought is one thing that I talk about a lot and write about a lot is the way that kink has like pervaded my life beyond the bedroom. And I don't just mean 24 seven DS dynamics, although that too, but kink as a, as a mindset, as a mental strategy, as a uh, way of looking at the world, um, I had an experience recently of going to the dentist for a cleaning that I was really anxious about and was just really trying to view that experience through a kinky lens because that helps me. Um, I've done that when I was getting tattoos and I've done that through various difficult experiences of imagining that this experience was something I had to get through as a submissive or as a bottom and using those like pain processing or anxiety processing strategies that I'd picked up from kink um, that I would not have known any other way. Uh, and it's really powerful to do that. And it's also something that I have a very hard time explaining to my vanilla friends. Uh, they find it mystifying because to them spanking is a fun activity you do in the bedroom. And to me it is too, but it's so much more than that. And I don't even know how to begin to explain that to people who don't kind of already get it on some level, but I don't know, maybe that's okay. Maybe they don't have to get it because, you know, we live different lives. However, Kate, if I may <laughs> pitch a book to you, <laughs> there, you have written the how 
to kink. Mm -hmm. 101 kinky things even you can do. <laughs> However, I think there is an audience for the why. Mm -hmm. I agree. And um, I'm working on a book proposal, not to give too much away, but um, I've been working on a proposal for a book project that's kind of like my pie in the sky, like someday project, which is sort of a memoir slash sciency exploration of kink and mental health and how those things go together, which has been a huge point of fascination for me for many years. And I think that that, if it ever gets written, will communicate some of those whys. Um, because almost from the, the first moments that I started experimenting with kink, I felt immediately that it was upgrading my life in some way. It was giving me a sense of strength and direction that I found difficult to find on my own. And it was also allowing me to feel like a good girl after having been through this trauma where I felt like I was a fundamentally bad girl, <laughs> which kind of fucks you up. Um, so kink has been enormously healing for me. I really want to write about that more. I've already written about it a bunch. Uh, and yeah, I wish more people knew about that capacity that it has. It has br brought such calmness and centering to my life and I am in the process heck when we first started talking I barely knew what impact was <laughs> and now not only do I know what impact is but why impact means something to me why impact had an impact on you yeah exactly <laughs> sitting in my chair at the office, feeling a mark that was left by my queen mm -hmm. and simply by pushing it, realizing and going straight back to that moment in time. Yeah, I totally get that. I've, I've done that and it always makes me feel like, oh yeah, I'm loved and adored and there's physical evidence on my body that that is true. And also I was brave enough to ask for what I wanted and for what I wanted. And there's evidence on my body also that that's true. And it's really beautiful. I'm getting emotional thinking about it. <laughs> I'm glad that you have found that too, because it's, it's just really, really lovely. And you are very lovely to have taken the time to join me <laughs> today on the show. It's always great talking to you. I cannot wait to open this book and see all the wonderful discoveries inside. Thank and you. I am over the moon for you for <laughs> being able to celebrate this book coming out. And I can't wait to see the reaction because I think there's going to be a lot of smiles from a lot of people that never expected that they could do it too. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm, I'm genuinely like, tearing up a little bit. I've been doing so much promotion for this book. Um, and it's, it's really nice to talk to fellow kinksters about it because you get why it's powerful um, and why it's important. And yeah, just really always love chatting with you. Thanks for having me. Here's an invitation for season three. <laughs> Anytime. You got it. 
Kate Sloan, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Kate is one of my absolute favorites. We met in the unlikely place of doing a wrestling podcast together and have been in touch with each other ever since. I'm so proud that her work is getting the opportunity to be between the bound covers of a book. Can't wait to see what's coming next. Coming up next for us on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, it's the dynamic duo of doms from coast to coast. The wonderful education superstars, D20 Dom from Washington, D.C., and Miss Melody Pond from San Diego, joining the show to discuss a wide variety of topics and issues. And that will do it for this week's show. If you get a chance, please drop us a rating and a review if you're on Apple, and give us a follow on social media. I'd really appreciate it. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And as always, remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality.